This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 6, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Bitcoin has great potential as a medium of exchange, but being new, that potential must be tempered by some realities likely not yet conceived. George Selgin is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of Good Money, Birmingham Button Makers, The Royal Mint, and the Beginnings of Modern Coinage. We spoke last week about the potential and realities of Bitcoin. Well, I think it's a fascinating system. It, uh, it is not a monetary system quite, but it is a small exchange network, which is on its way to becoming a bigger exchange network. Uh, the most fascinating thing about Bitcoin is that it has gotten off the ground at all because uh, it consists of things that have no value except in exchange. So as I put it on in an online discussion, you have what I call a, an oyster problem. The oyster problem consists of the uh, problem of getting someone to be brave enough to be the first to try something. And in this case, of course, that means being the first to trade valuable labor or uh, goods for bitcoins that themselves can't be used for anything except further exchanges, which means, which means someone else has to take them from you. Anyway, for various interesting reasons, Bitcoin was aver, able to overcome this oyster problem and its network has been growing very fast. Now, um, that's, so that itself is fascinating given the nature of the stuff. But uh, the other thing that's fascinating is that it resembles a commodity like gold in that only so much of these bitcoins can be mined uh, for, in any interval of time, mining being, of course, here really referring to uh, uh, their production through uh, computer problem solving. Uh, and the supply of the coins is absolutely limited. In fact, uh, as the total supply approaches 21 million coins, we're a little bit over halfway to that mark, it must level off. That is the, the cost, the calculational cost in this case of production will approach infinity as that number approaches 21,000. So it's like a commodity in having these built-in costs with rising marginal costs. And therefore, I choose to call it a, a synthetic commodity. It's not a fiat money like government paper currencies, but it's not a real commodity. It's something in between. It doesn't behave like money in the sense that it doesn't have intrinsic value that you've pointed out. It doesn't behave like an ordinary com money commodity like gold or uh, silver or tobacco or wampum. But it does behave like them in that you can't just make up uh, new quantities willy-nilly at the stroke of a pen. It takes real resources, real effort. Now, uh, some of the criticisms of Bitcoin basically saying that, well, this is its, its impact will be limited, uh, their argument being that, well, if you want to convert it into something else, that if the federal U.S. federal government or some other government decided to prevent that process from occurring, they could indeed be fairly effective at that. Well, of course. If, if the government wanted to uh, outlaw trading in bitcoins, it could, just as it can to some extent, of course, not entirely outlaw uh, illegal trade in other things, uh, make, make trade in other things illegal, I should say. Nevertheless, uh, 
so far, there is uh, a developing market for Bitcoin. You can, there are organized exchanges where you can trade Bitcoin for other established currency units like dollars. Uh, it won't be easy for the government to suppress uh, a currency, an exchange medium, that exists as this one does uh, in, in the uh, uh, digital realm. Uh, it, it, uh, it indeed uh, the whole point or a big point of Bitcoin has to do with its relative anonymity. Uh, so uh, of course, the government can crush anything uh, if it tries hard enough and Bitcoin's no exception to that. But that doesn't mean that Bitcoin isn't a, a fascinating uh, exchange medium that that, suggests possibilities for other such media that ought to be intriguing to all economists and others because they could have the best properties of past commodity monies and yet be even better than any past commodity monies because you can make the supply behavior whatever you think it ought to be to have desirable macroeconomic consequences. Right. So the the argument then among economists might be you can model these things in reality. Yes. You can make this thing work in reality. So the easiest way to think about this is think about past commodity monies. We know they had the virtue of limiting money creation and thus limiting inflation, uh, gold and silver being the most famous examples. But it's true of any commodity money with real resource costs of production that at some point, it gets too expensive to make more of the stuff. And indeed, the higher prices get, uh, the less profitable it is to mine a standard money commodity. Okay, but they're not perfect. We can have sudden discoveries that can upset the relative price of something like gold. Or we could simply have a, a cost of production that rises rather, rather too quickly where the supply is insufficiently elastic. Or in principle, you could completely run out of the stuff, even though your economy would be better off if you could, could keep producing some. But with uh, what Bitcoin shows is that you can make up a synthetic commodity, which in principle could have a supply behavior that suffers from none of those disadvantages. And that could become your standard money commodity. And so you would have the discipline of an ordinary commodity money without any of the drawbacks. This is only hypothetical. I'm not saying Bitcoin is that sort of potential commodity, but, uh, uh, but what the kind of programming that led to its creation could also lead to the creation of a more sophisticated sort of synthetic commodity. George Salgin is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org. 